Thanks for tuning in to the October Red Dirt Poetry Podcast. In this podcast, we are getting to know the featured Red Dirt poet for this month, Darrell Carter, as well as bringing you the October calendar of Red Dirt Poetry events. Darrell Carter is our very first Red Dirt Poet of the Month, and with good reason. He's an amazing poet, a pillar of the Red Dirt Poetry community, and has a soon-to-be-released book called Mr. Monday Morning's Broken Songs and Testimonies. Darrell Carter has been a teacher in Oklahoma for nine years. He's recently graduated from the University of Central Oklahoma with his graduate degree in English. He serves on the Red Dirt Poetry Board of Directors as the Director of Education, and has his work published in Drunk Monkeys, Petrichor, Formois, Defunct Magazine, and others. You can find more of his work on his website, DarrellCarter.org. Darrell, would you start this conversation off for us with one of your poems? Oh, I would love to. But first, I want to say how, like, immaculately you read that script. That was beautiful. <laughs> like, man, like, I could not do it like you. Like, you're killing it so far. Thank you. Thank All you. right. So uh, I want to start this uh, off with my poem, Alone at the Party. Um, it's 9 p.m., I'm alone in a house full of people that will never pray for Jerome or Tyrone, and I'm supposed to be the man with the kind eyes that aren't capable of officiating the steel chair's matrimony to a slithery face slowly melting off the lizard person's decaying cheekbones as he speaks of black faces just to support the plot to his mediocre-ass fiction. It's 10 p.m. I am always to silence before a car crash, and a man that looks like he goes by Buddy is comfortable calling me Buddy, while Buddy's pal wants to know if I can wrestle, because my shoulders outweigh the confidence his grandpappy told him he could carry when he's in a room with a nigga. It's 11 p.m. I want to know how much longer until the invisible audience realizes I'm not the black sidekick in the Marvel movies that earned the spotlight just by outlasting the hero. It's 12 a.m. I'm missing cuticles from climbing institutions and fighting off peaceful memories that never happened. The sacrifices I make to substitute with the sacrifices my society tells me to take just to keep the narrative speaking a language I two-step with but shouldn't be able to understand. It's 1 a.m. I'm the boogeyman when the lights are bright. And I am a hologram Godzilla when disrespect strokes my earlobes with their hell-kissed talons. I am Malcolm X when it's time to explain to white folk why I'm standing alone in a corner of the room with something dark and heavy in my red solo cup. Damn. That's an amazing piece. Thank you. I, uh, I particularly love, there's a line in there, I am the silence before a car crash. It just hits you. It's great. <laughs> Um, all right. I've just got some questions I'd like to ask you. Let's go. Number one, who was your first favorite poet? Oh, man. Uh, my first favorite poet is weird because it's, I'm, I was 18 years old, and I was in a lobby at the hotel. Uh, it's a giant-ass hotel downtown. Oh, man. This... this is it the Skirvin? The Skirvin, yeah, yes. Yeah, 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 it was the Skirvin, my senior year. And it's like probably 12 a.m. And I'm just going through books of poetry. I just happened to have a collection that had a bunch of poets that represented me. And I'm reading a poem by W.E.B. Du Bois. Uh, and it's discussing the Smoke King. And discussing what blackness is. Um I feel like that poem was the first time I actually felt like I 
wasn't unique. I wasn't an outcast. It felt like, oh man, somebody else has lived this, lived this feeling of like, hey, like I'm a black man following this institution that tells me that, hey, black people aren't supposed to be here. Right. I'm over here at this hotel for youth and government trying to, you know, win a court case. You know, I'm, I'm a lawyer and I'm over here about to give a presentation in front of a bunch of white folk. Yeah. And I know there are people who are looking at me like, man, he's just trying to get out of football practice, man. He's, he ain't trying to go to the sports, but like I wanted to become a better speaker. I wanted to become a better writer. So I decided to join youth and government. And I'm there in pretty much a room full of white folk. And it was later on that night, I'm reading this collection just to pass the time. And I see this poem by W.D. Boy, who, I'm sorry, like the name, the title, the name, ah, like the name of the poem, like it escapes me. But I always remember the smoking. Yeah. And every time I like, no, I need to read that poem again. Like, I Google smoking, and it's there. And yeah. it's always been something I want to utilize in a poem. And I try to, and I kind of regret it because it's not as beautiful as the way that W. Du Bois discussed what it truly means to be the smoking. Like, I feel like if I were to tell my kids now that I'm the smoking, like, they might think, oh, he, want, he wants problems. He's, he's about to fight. He's cool <laughs> with the issues. But, like, to me, what I always thought about the smoking is that I'm a black man in a room, and no matter what happens, you're going to feel me. And my presence is going to be felt because you're either going to choke off of what I'm, what's coming off of me or you're going to see what's coming off of me and be like, wow, like I have no choice but to acknowledge him. Right. Well, and it's it's interesting. You kind of talk about like the first time feeling like you saw yourself represented. And that's one of the things, you know, you look at you look at so many high school reading lists and it's like old white guy, old white guy. Mm-hmm. Old, oh, here there's an old white lady. Like, it's it's so hard to not feel isolated from a culture when all they're presenting is like, well, here are, here are people that you know you you can't really like connect with that way. Mm-hmm. And like for me, as as an English teacher, as someone that teaches you know literature, I want my students. Like, I try my best to do this while not you know getting fired because I know like they're looking for teachers that are trying to you know cross that line and get kids educated you know but anyways tell the truth you know like, <laughs> oh man the whole truth <laughs> <laughs> but like at the end of the day i want my students to understand that hey black folk we here we're here uh black women are here yeah you know mexican men write poetry yeah mexican women write poetry we need kids to f- see themselves yeah. you know what i'm saying like it's all about getting kids cultured. And when they're out in the world, I want them to know, understand, like, hey, there are no differences. Your reality is someone, is someone else's reality. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're here together. I don't yeah. want them to feel like, hey, like, my perspective is the only one that exists and matters. It's interesting. In, in anthropology, you kind of go through all of these classes about culture to kind of get to the end of it and then basically realize like there's diversity in all culture. It doesn't matter like which culture you pick out. There's going to be the person that's type a ish and the person that's weird and Mm -hmm. the person like there's every culture has diversity. But one of the things that a culture like our culture, what American culture has done for so long is try to deny that diversity 
in anything but like the main over like like white culture like so mm-hmm. it's cool for like white guys to have a movie about being a nerd or like a white guy in a movie where he's like complex and different but then minorities get cast as like okay you can you can either be perfect or you can be a, a, a caricature mm-hmm. but like having the complexity and depth that actually exists in those cultures has just not been something American culture has been okay with for some reason. Oh yeah, they definitely try to dumb it down. They're yeah. definitely trying to put I feel like they definitely try to put me, people that look like me in a box. Yeah. And so whenever it's time for someone that's like me to step out and like, you know, teach English yeah. or write poetry, they're thinking, Oh no, he's 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 trying to be white or hey, he's I mean, he's weird. Like, who who the hell does that? Like, there's something wrong with him. Right. When at the end of the day, it's like, no, I'm not unique. Like, we're out there. You guys are just trying to tell us not to do this. You're yeah. punishing us for trying to get out of the box by saying, hey, like, no, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Step back in your lane. Well, and it's, it's like a, a form of control. It's like, it's kind of like the narrative that, like, women have to be nice and women have to be, like, in the moment, the moment you're angry will like oh you're an emotional woman you know what i mean mm-hmm. so there's there's no room for that diversity and it's it's really it's really great to to hear the story you had of just like coming into contact with wbw boy all right real quick how did you start writing poetry man it is, it's crazy because I never thought I would do this. I remember it was 2018. I had to take a modern American poetry class, and uh, I took it with Dr. Rocha, Dr. Ileana Rocha. Yeah. Yeah, man. This person changed She's my so life. Cool. <laughs> yes, changed my life. Uh, I took a class with her uh, in 2017. Uh, it was over uh, Latinx literature. Uh, it was one of the best classes I ever took, and I learned a lot as a teacher. I was like, oh, man, the way this person teaches, I really want to take their class again and study and model what they're, you know, what they're doing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're getting me engaged. They're making me feel, like, good about myself. Like, what the crap? I don't know if I ever had, like, you know, I've had some professors that were awesome. But this professor is, like, making, oh, I can learn anything. Like, holy crap, I can write anything. I can understand anything. Because they encourage, like, Dr. Rocha is, like, he just encouraged me so much, you know. So it's 2018, I'm in this modern American poetry class, and we had to write a poem uh, every week for an assignment. Like, we would read uh, a poet, and then we had to try to emulate that poet. And that was my my first time, like, writing poetry for real, for real, you know? Uh, And, you know, I wrote a bunch of terrible-ass poems. I'm not going (laughs) to lie to you. These were garbage poems. But, like, I was having fun, Yeah. you know? And, like, it's just, it just, you know... It felt good. It, yeah. it, it didn't feel bad, you know. Uh, in 2014, I, you know, it was a, I had a creative writing professor try to tell me, hey, maybe you should go work in the oil field because I don't see you ever becoming a creative writer. I That's don't see you becoming up. a teacher. Like, I do so know you'd up. be way more successful at, in the oil field. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Can I ask this teacher that said these awful things, like, how old were they? What race were they? Oh, she was an old 70-something-year-old white lady. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, and typically, you know, they seem to always get it wrong. 
<laughs> oh man, I'm, I'm gonna, hopefully, hey, all the cool seventy-seven year old white ladies that treat me right. That doesn't apply to you, but all the ones that have done the, me wrong, the yeah. racist assholes that yeah. you should go work in an oil field. It applies, it applies to, to them. them. Yeah. It applies to them. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's been extra wrong. Yeah. <laughs> she was extra wrong. Oh, uh, weren't you like teacher of the year? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? I was I was teacher of the year. My, your coworkers had to vote for you, like yeah. you know. And my coworkers obviously thought, oh man, you know, he's not trash at what he does. So. Uh, but it's 2018, and we had to write a poem every single week. And eventually, like, I started doing that, but I fell in love when Chin Chin came to UCO and uh, yeah. truly got into poetry in a way that, you know, spoke to me. Yeah. I was like, oh, man, hold on. I want to take this a little bit more seriously. I've been having fun. I've been writing goofy, sing-songy poems, but this is what I want to do. Hell, yeah. That's awesome. All right, do, do you have a favorite word you like to use in poems? Oh, man. So it was over the summer, and I'm at a poetry reading, and I don't know, I just selected a bunch of poems, a bunch of different poems in my mind. They were, oh, man, these are completely different. I try my best to sound, you know, brand new in each poem. Yeah. And I'm reading, and it's on my fifth poem. I'm like, oh, my God, I've used midnight in every single fucking poem <laughs> I've read. I've used the word midnight in every single poem. I'm like, uh, this is crazy. What, so, so that's funny because the, the title of your upcoming book is Mr. Monday Mornings. And it says you've kind of got like a Monday mornings and midnight. Like, that's interesting. That's, yeah. that's, that's really cool. Um, who is your favorite poet right now? Oh, man. Who is my favorite poet right now? <laughs> I knew I should have looked at this. I love these questions, man. Hey, I gave you the option. Yeah, you, you said did. You wanted the questions. Oh, blind. this is dope. All right. <laughs> hey, I like this question a lot because it's not like I have so many favorite poets, but my main favorite poet. Uh, oh, man. I'm about to give roses on like a podcast. Uh, I'll just say Rob Sturma. Either Rob oh, Sturma. Yeah. Uh, Someone I went to class with, uh, Seth Copeland. Oh, Hell yeah. I think I, went, I know Seth Copeland. Yeah, man. He's, he, I went to, he was... At UCO, right? Yeah, he's at UCO. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't know if he... I think he graduated... I think my, my first year was his last year there. And I just remember, like, thinking he was a really cool host. I was like, man, this dude's really funny. Like, it's <laughs> awesome. But then I started reading his work. I was like, oh, I still read his work all the time. And then, of course, Rob. Of course, Rob, you know, if you, like, listen to him, like, he's awesome. Yeah, Rob's The way he's able to, he taught me, like, hey, like, you can actually really perform this while actually being a dope writer. Yeah. You don't have to just be, like, oh, like, spoken word, slam. Like, you can really incorporate amazing metaphors and imagery. Yeah, I mean, you know? Rob's impressive because, like, when he performs a poem, he really gives it life. But when you read his book of poems, they hit you really hard, too. Like, it's it's both. Yes. And uh, I guess also, you know, Jericho Brown, yeah. obviously, because that's the person, like, whenever I decided to take poetry seriously, I started to study his work. Right. His work is what, okay, like, how do I truly grow? Because... You know, it's 2018, 2019. I'm not really telling my classmates or anyone else, like, hey, like, I want to do this forever. 
Yeah. You know, and I want to get better and I want to hopefully get published someday and call my be able to call myself a poet and right, actually right. not feel bad about it. Or like, you know, man, you know, saying dang it. Like I, I am a poet, you know. You I want to fall in love with poetry. Yeah, I want to call myself a poet with my chest, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Shoulders up. But uh, I studied Jericho Brown and Major Jackson and Reginald Dwayne Betts. Oh golly, his work is real. Yeah. His work is real. It's kind of, he's the reason why I curse my poetry. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's, he's the reason I keep it real. I keep it real as possible. All right. That's awesome. Before we go, could you read us one more poem? All right. I'm going to go ahead and read a title poem. Uh, my chat book that's going to be coming out soon. Uh, Mr. Monday morning, uh, just a little background. When I wake up on Monday mornings, I, I'm too intense. <laughs> this week is either going to be... Big same. Yeah. This week is either going to be amazing based off how today is. This week is either going to be terrible based on how today is. And unfortunately, I feel like I'm a Monday morning person every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, like, it could be Tuesday. And I'm like, hey, today or this week is going to be... or. Wednesday, this day or this week is like based on how the next 24 hours are going to go. And it starts in that morning. You know what I'm saying? My morning, my mindset sometimes is like, hey, this is, you know, too intense. And sometimes, you know, I'm guilty of being too intense. I'm being really real. It's just so I'm not always saying, hey, I'm a Monday morning person. Like I wake up happy. Like sometimes I do. But sometimes I'm like, I put I feel the pressure. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, this is my poem, Mr. Monday Morning. My mon- Monday morning speaks cousin to smirk because everything that was breathing during the moon supervision in my home is present and annoyed by my proclamation of me being too aware and too alive at 5 a.m. I fix my face. It's Monday morning. The rain continues to announce itself on my patio and my cats are fighting for my attention. Thankful and alive. A mixtape made for furry beggars and a man that is learning how to become a reluctant to spiritual pneumonia. And I go, fuck myself shade of blue. I've been trying not to paint my spiritual crayons with. I fix my face. It's Monday morning and the rain has made its point and walks gently away from the stage we were all slipping on. While leaving the scent of wet grass on the curtains that swing stretched out arms to the performer that knows how to denzel through any it's all good. A man with shoulders my size is supposed to recite in the rendition of dreams and nightmares. I fix my face. It's Monday morning, and the rain barely remembers my existence. I have become a watcher and a historian already. The future me is trying to remember the sound gravity makes while attempting to lift up a bag of memories to plant in a cumulus cloud of his science's making. He says amen only to himself when he's done. I fix my face. It's Monday morning and the day is humming my entrance song while the sun eats everything that has tried to touch what I unreluctantly love and quietly thank the mud for. There's a shadow everywhere that's breathing in my backyard and I continue to fix my face in the shape of a baritone falsetto. Damn. Thank you so much for your time, Darrell. Um, Everyone be sure to check out his work and catch his feature at the Red Dirt Poetry Open Mic on October 11th or his reading hosted by OU at the Main Site Gallery on October 26th at 6.30. You won't want to miss his workshop on October 12th for Red Dirt Rights at Literati Press. 
For October 2023, we have the following events for you. The Red Dirt Poetry Open Mic happens every Wednesday at Ponyboy. All performers get six minutes of stage time. Sign-up starts at 7.30 and the show starts at 8. This is a poetry-focused mic, but it is open to all kinds of performers. We meet every Wednesday upstairs at Ponyboy, located at 423 Northwest 23rd Street, Oklahoma City, OK. Red Dirt Edits is meeting at 1 p.m. on Saturday, October 7th at Bookish. This free peer editing session is open to anyone who wants feedback on their work. We ask that attendees bring five copies of poems they would like to have edited. We'll take turns reading our work to a small group and receiving feedback. Red Dirt Edits meets on the first Saturday of each month at Bookish, located at 1 Northeast 14th Street, Oklahoma City. Red Dirt Poetry is performing with Foxboroughs at 5 p.m. on Sunday, October 8th at Factory Obscura for the Art of Beer. This fun, collaborative show will feature live music by Foxboroughs with Red Dirt Poets performing between songs. Factory Obscura is located at 25 Northwest 9th Street, Oklahoma City. Red Dirt Writes will be led by Darrell Carter at 7 p.m. on Thursday, October 12th at Literati Press. A free writing workshop, this event allows writers a chance to get some inspiration and do a little writing. Remember to bring your writing supplies. Red Dirt Writes takes place at 7 p.m. on the second Thursday of each month at Literati Press. Literati Press is located at 3010 Paseo, Oklahoma City. The Writer's Outing is hanging out at Toast and Coffee at 1 p.m. on Saturday, October 14th. The Writer's Outing is a writing group for 2S LGBTQIA plus folks to find fellowship and support from other writers who share the unique experiences of navigating queer life in a world of cis-hetero expectations. This group meets at 1 p.m. on the second Saturday of every month at Toast and Coffee, which is located at 2416 North Robinson Avenue, Oklahoma City. Writers of Color will be at Spiked, a coffee concept, at 1 p.m. on Saturday, October 21st. This writing group for people of color aims to provide a community away from the white gaze and power structure. The community offers discussions, inspiration, and encouragement to writers. Writers of Color meets at 1 p.m. on the third Saturday of every month at Spiked, a coffee concept, which is located at 1732 Northeast 23rd Street in Oklahoma City. Red Dirt Slams is back at Vanessa House at 7 p.m. on Thursday, October 26th. Compete to be the Red Dirt Poetry Slam champ. Join us in the audience as a judge or just watch the drama unfold. This event is free to enter, but we only have eight sign-up slots for this slam, so if you are interested in competing, reach out to us on social media and claim your spot. Red Dirt Slams takes place at 7 p.m. on the fourth Thursday of the month at Vanessa House Beer Company. Vanessa House is located at 118 Northwest 8th Street in Oklahoma City. Red Dirt Reads will be discussing When My Brother Was an Aztec by Natalie Diaz at the Floating Bookshop on 1 p- at 1 p.m. on Saturday, October 28th. A poetry book club open to the public. We post the book for each month on our socials. We meet at 1 p.m. on the fourth Saturday of every month at the Floating Bookshop, which is located inside Sailor in the Dock at 617 West Sheridan in Oklahoma City. Thanks again for tuning into the Red Dirt Poetry Podcast. You can find out more about us on most social media at Red Dirt Poetry or our website, reddirtpoetry.org. The Red Dirt Poetry Podcast is produced by Dano Cablamo and Yoko Hill at Octopus Cuddle Studios.